continue the teaching on prayer, a series on prayer. And uh, we saw in the previous teaching that our Lord referred to his temple under the Old Covenant as a house of prayer. And uh, we said that under the New Covenant, the temple has changed because under the Old Covenant, the temple was that structure that Solomon had built, uh, which was destroyed in AD 70. But under the New Covenant, the temple of God is in fact our physical bodies, for the Holy Spirit dwells within each one of our bodies as born-again believers. And so the temple has changed. Um, but the role of the temple has not changed, for we said that the role of the temple under the Old Covenant was to be a house of prayer for all nations, and that role continues to be the role of the temple of God under the New Covenant, in that we are meant, our temples, are meant to be a house of prayer for all nations. And so God has called us to pray for all nations. And obviously that would include all believers as well. And so that tied in again with also the fact that we saw that under the new covenant, uh, we have a priestly role that we fulfill. Because under the old covenant, it was only the Levites that were priests unto God. And they would offer up daily sacrifices to the Lord. They would offer up a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. And they would offer up incense before the Lord as well. There were various sacrifices that the priests under the Old Covenant, under the order of Aaron, had to perform and uh, offer up before God uh, on a daily basis. Under the New Covenant, the priesthood has changed because we are priests after the order of, Mel of Melchizedek. For our Lord Jesus is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so the priesthood has changed, <clears throat> but nevertheless the role of the priest has not changed. In that we as priests unto God, because we saw in the book of Revelation that our Lord has in fact made us both to be kings and priests unto God. And so the role of a priest is still um, to offer up sacrifices to God. That, that's the, the function that a priest performs. And so under the New Covenant, um, as priests, uh, we are called to offer up sacrifices to God. But the, the sacrifices change between the Old Covenant and the New. And so we do not offer up bulls and rams and lambs uh, before God the Father. What we offer up are the sacrifices of our uh, praise. And so the Bible talks about the fact that we would, um, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse uh, 13, chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And so we said that, Praise is one form of prayer. Prayer is all-encompassing. There are very, uh, very different uh, forms of prayer. And all prayer is to be offered up by the priests under the New Covenant uh, before God as our sacrifices that we offer before God. And we saw that even under the Old Covenant, when the, the incense was offered by the priest uh, twice a day, um, and the priest would go into the holy place and he would offer up physical incense on the altar of incense. While he was offering up incense, it was called the hour of incense. Uh, the congregation, the, the Israelites, would be outside the temple praying. And so in the, in the New Testament, it, that time is actually called the hour of prayer as well. And so as the priest would be inside the holy place offering up physical incense 
um, inside that temple. So the saints would be on the outside offering up uh, the incense of prayer before God the Father and the throne of God in heaven. For we saw in the book of Revelation that the prayers that are uttered by the saints are in fact, uh, they become the incense that is presented before God in heaven. And so our prayers um, have a real tangibility about them in that when they ascend into heaven, they ascend to the throne of God and those prayers are offered before God as incense before Him. And so that principle was in place under the Old Covenant. That principle remains in place under the New Covenant. So the prayers offered up by the Old Testament saints and the prayers offered up by the New Testament saints, both of them form the incense that is offered before the throne of God. And we said that it is only the prayers of the saints on the earth that uh, form part of the incense that is presented to God the Father in heaven. Because we said that the saints who are in heaven have rested from their labors. And we had a look at um, Paul's account, we had a look at the book of Hebrews. And so the church on the earth is laboring in prayer. Part of the laboring that the church is called to do is we're called to labor in prayer. Um, Colossians 4.12, the scripture says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And so we, as believers under the new covenant, we have um, our kingly role to perform and we have our priestly role to perform. And uh, as part of our priestly role that we perform under the new covenant is we're to offer up our prayers before God. And that is part of the laboring that we do. The, excuse me, the priest under the old covenant, they had various, various tasks that they had to perform. Those were their labors that they performed before God. Under the new covenant, we as priests uh, before God have been given uh, the labor of prayer. And so prayer is in fact laboring before God. And you find that it's actually the one of the more difficult parts of the Christian walk is to actually pray because um, if you just look at any congregation um, it, throughout the, the, the world basically the um, accepted norm of congregations if, uh, if the congregation calls for a prayer meeting is that roughly 10% of the congregation will turn up for the prayer meeting and so it seems to be that majority of the Lord's saints, who are in fact all priests, for our Lord has made all of us to be both kings and priests unto God, it seems that the majority of the saints struggle with this um, priestly role of prayer before God. And so if they, they announce that there's a, a, a prophet that is coming to the church and he's going to be holding a series of meetings, um, the church will be packed. People will come every night to listen to the prophet and obviously to trust that the Lord will minister to them through the ministry of the prophet. But that same church, you announce, all right, we're going to have a prayer meeting in the church for the next week, uh, every night. And again, as I say, it's, it's consistent across the body of Christ that roughly 10% of the saints turn up. Um, now, if you translate that into the saints' um, personal prayer life, you can see that by and large, uh, the, the, the priestly ministry of the saints is pretty much uh, neglected by the church. 
which is very sad indeed because it's one of the um, eternal roles that we will play um, throughout eternity before God. We will serve God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord as priests in His temple for all eternity. So why not get used to it down here rather than when you get to heaven and find out, oh, okay, this is stuff I've got to do now. Uh, obviously, that's, that's not the way it will play out. But the point is, is that it, it's actually quite, it's, it's, it's an indictment on, on the saints that um, when it comes to the priestly duties of offering prayer before God, it's pretty much a neglected duty. It's not a duty that is taken very conscientiously before um, God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to know how often we should be praying. And we saw that uh, we should be offering up daily sacrifices, even as the Old Testament priests used to offer up daily sacrifices. Our Lord taught us to um, pray when He uh, taught us the, the, the prayer um, that is commonly referred to as the Our Father prayer, or the Lord's prayer. Um, he said, in praying in this manner, in verse 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. So our Lord just implied that we should be praying at least once a day before God our Father. And then we had a look at various examples in those scriptures uh, of prayer life, and we looked at our Lord because the Bible teaches us again very plainly that we should be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we looked at his prayer life, and we saw that our, our Lord Jesus gave himself over to much prayer and he would pray morning noon and evening and quite often he prayed all night long and so our lord jesus gave himself over to much prayer then we looked at the apostle paul and we saw that he gave himself over to much prayer in fact so much so that he he said guys i thank my god i speak with tongues more than you all and we know that when we speak with tongues that we are praying because he who speaks with the tongue speaks not unto men but unto god and so paul in effect was saying to the church i thank my god i pray more than you all um, and obviously paul also hinted to the truth of the fact that he prayed more in the spirit than he did with his understanding and the reason for that is because we know so much more with our spirit than we do with our understanding so spiritual prayers are far more effective then we looked at the apostles and the early church and we saw that they also gave themselves over to daily praying and so as christians as as priests unto God. We should be offering sacrifices unto God at least daily and if not more, if not at least twice a day um, in the morning and the evening as the priest under the Old Covenant would offer up sacrifices to God. And so we want to head, kind of bringing us up to speed on to where we are at this point in time. So in today's section I want to have a look at um, how to pray, the um, various principles that we should be applying in our prayer life um, because we want to um, pray effectively. The Bible talks about the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so if we're not praying effectively, then we're praying ineffectively and our prayers are not having any effect. That's as simple as that, really. And uh, um, I'd hate to put a uh, an estimate percentage on it, but I would imagine that there is a large percentage of prayers that are offered up um, which are not very effective. And I'm talking about Christians now, I'm not talking about people who are outside in the world who also pray, uh, but nevertheless their prayers go unheard by and large. But I'm talking about within the church themselves. 
we need to learn how to pray effectively. Otherwise, the scripture would never have said the, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It would have just said the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, but it doesn't. It says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so we need to learn how to pray effectively. And so one of the first things we need to do is obviously, because um, if we pray effectively, what will happen is that our prayers will be heard. Um, because if our prayers are unheard, well, then, you know, if we've been on our knees for a half an hour, five minutes, um, a whole hour, and our prayers have gone unheard by God, well, that's a whole hour wasted, a whole five minutes wasted. Um, that's time that we have knelt before God in prayer and nothing's happened. We, our time would have been better spent doing something else rather than doing what we were doing. So it's very important for us as believers that when we kneel down before God, and I've just used the terminology kneel, but I, in, again, the Bible is very plain about the fact that um, on most occasions people who pray before God kneel before the, the Father. But you can pray sitting down, pray standing up. Our Lord used to pray uh, walking around. He used to, the Bible talks about that he paced during his prayers. So there's different, our uh, Lord would like prostrate, prostrate before God in prayer. And so, uh, you know, the, the posture is not the issue. The point is, <coughs> is that uh, if we're going to give ourselves over to a time of prayer, then that time must, must be effective. In other words, that prayer must be heard of God. If, it, if that prayer goes unheard, then we've wasted our time. And so the idea is to understand, <clears throat> are there principles that can be applied to prayer so that we can be assured that our prayers are in fact heard by God? Um, and if they are, well, then we need to know them so that we can apply them so that our prayers can be heard. And it should not be a case of, well, I hope my prayers are heard, because what's the point of that? Because, I mean, you, you don't know if your prayers were heard. Uh, because well, as we see in Scripture, when we know our prayers are heard, well, then we can go away with full assurance that God will answer our prayers. And so our Lord had the, um, obviously, the key to praying effectively before God our Father. Because look at his comment. John chapter 11, verse 41 and 42. Um, scripture says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 42. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And so, I mean, what an amazing statement to be able to make. And we, I know we're talking about Jesus, but, you know, the Bible does teach us that if we abide in Christ, we ought to walk even as he walked. So, again, getting back to the amazing statement. The statement that our Lord made, and I know that you always hear me. Now, that is where we want to be as believers, that God our Father always hears us um, and Jesus was there and we can walk where our Lord walked because again as, as John taught us in 1 John 2 6 that he who abides in him ought himself to walk even as he walked and so it's very important for us to be able to make the same comment father I thank you that you hear my prayers 
And that's, it, it sounds like a bold statement. It sounds like a statement that only Jesus can make. But um, it, 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 that's basically the truth. It's actually a statement that only Jesus can make. And so you, you say, okay, well then that kind of excludes all of us. No, it doesn't. Because the book of Galatians teaches us very plainly that it is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. And so the one who is always heard by God the Father lives in us. And so we need to uh, pray as he prayed so that God our Father will always hear our prayers. Because um, if we can get that right, well then, as I say, every time we go before the Father in prayer, we can be fully assured that our prayers are heard by God. Because that's very important. It is very important that our prayers are heard by God. Because if our prayers go unheard by God, well then we've, there's no result forthcoming from that request or petition made known unto God. And so it's very important for Christians that before they go to prayer before the Father, that they are assured before they go to prayer that their prayers will be heard by God. And so many Christians go into their prayer closet and pray and come out and hope that their prayers were heard by God. It's like a hit and miss thing. Um, and, you know, they, they, they prayed and they just hoped that somehow God heard their prayer. Uh, somehow they, they managed to get it right this time. Um, but that's not how we should be um, approaching our prayer life. We should be approaching it with purpose so that when we kneel before the Father, we are fully assured, as our Lord was, in that He made the statement, and I know that you always hear me. And so when we kneel before God our Father, we must be fully assured that God our Father is hearing our prayers. Because as I say, if, he, if our prayers go unheard, then they go unanswered. And so it's very important for Christians to get their prayer life correct. So we dealt with, uh, in the previous teaching, how much prayer we should be offering up before God our Father. Now we want to look down at the principles of prayer to see uh, what principles can and should be applied to prayer so that our prayers will always be heard as our Lord's word. And so one of the scriptures we can look at, <clears throat> which is used as a very effective scripture for prayer, because this always works. Let's have a look at Mark 11, chapter, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 24. The scripture says, Therefore, this is our Lord speaking, Therefore I say to you, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And so that is an absolutely astounding, um, not a promise, that's a statement of fact that was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read it again. Therefore I say to you, Jesus speaking, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And so that's as, as simple as you can get. The, the, there is a condition here to having the, uh, our prayer answered. He says, whatever things you ask when you pray, you will have them. So if I take out the condition, it says, whatever things you ask when you pray, you will have them. That's Jesus speaking. And so that's where we want to be. That when we go before God, uh, however we go into our prayer closet, and whatever we ask of Him, we'll have that. that he, he says, that's it, it's yours. 
I mean, that is as um, a, 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 a fantastic prayer life as anybody, anybody could wish for. That's, our, that's the prayer life of Jesus, our Lord. Whatever he asked for, he got from the Father. And so our Lord says, whatever, whatever things you ask when you pray, you will have them. But he does put in a condition. He says, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. And so there's a, one of the conditions that our Lord places in prayer is that when we go before our Father and whatever we ask of him, the condition that has to be met in order for me to receive that which I ask my Father for is that I have to believe that I receive it. And so that is a, a very important principle of prayer. What's the, the principle? We have to pray in faith. We cannot come and pray in hope. Prayer, he doesn't say, whatever things you ask in, when you pray, hope that you will receive them and you will have them. He doesn't say that. Because if he did say that, then I think 99% of prayers would be answered. But the problem is, is that that's exactly what people do. They go before God and they hope that they will receive them. And so they don't receive them. Because our Lord said you have to believe it. You can't hope it, you have to believe it. And so that's one of the conditions our Lord um, attaches to that particular prayer. Now again, as I said, there are different types of prayer. Um, and we spoke about prayer, uh, praise and thanksgiving and worship and intercession. And so those kind of prayers don't require that you believe that you receive because you're not asking for anything. You're offering up thanksgiving before God. And so it's different um, attitudes that we have in our prayer life. But with regards to this particular prayer, this is the prayer of faith. This is the prayer of asking for a petitions, a prayer petition before God. And this is, I think about 90% of the prayers that get uttered before the throne are prayers of petition. People are going before God and asking Him for things and asking Him on behalf of others as well. Um, Lord, would you do this in this person's life and do this in this person's life? Um, and there's, a, there's different rules governing different types of prayer. And we need to be careful that we don't get the rules mixed up. Um, somebody explained it this way. It's a good analogy. Um, sport is sport. And so sport is all-encompassing. Uh, within sport, you have soccer, and you have rugby, and you have cricket, and you have tennis. Uh, you have all of these different sports. They all fall under this umbrella called sport. But each one of those particular sports within that category of sport, like rugby for argument's sake, have a set of rules by, by which you have to play the game. Tennis has a set of rules by which you have to play the game. And so you cannot go onto a tennis court and apply the rules for playing rugby and expect the game to flow and people to understand what's going on. It's just going to crash, nothing's going to work, and vice versa. And so each different uh, sport within the category of sports have their own different set of rules by which you have to play in order for that game to be played correctly. Prayer is pretty much a similar type of analogy, we can say. Well, the sport is the analogy, now we're dealing with prayer. Prayer is the all-encompassing um, sacrifice, so to speak, um, prayer. But there is the prayer of intercession, and then there is the prayer of petition. 
and there is the prayer of thanksgiving. And so all of those different prayers, again, have different rules that are applied to those prayers so that those prayers can be effective. And we need to learn the different rules for each different type of prayer if we're going to pray effectively and have our prayers heard. And an effective prayer is a prayer that is heard by God. Because when God hears a prayer, then we'll see, as Scripture is very plain to us, that we then have the petition we've asked of it. And so it's very important for us to learn the different rules of prayer. Um, but in today's teaching, we're still going to look at the overall um, principles that should be applied to all prayer. So we're not going to be isolating different types of prayer today. But nevertheless, this is what is commonly referred to as the prayer of faith. And the, the term is, is pretty um, self-explanatory. It's the prayer of faith, it's not the prayer of hope. And so many Christians go before God the Father and pray the prayer of hope, hoping that the prayer of faith will work. And it doesn't work. You have to actually believe it. Anyway, so that was one of the conditions. But our Lord actually put two more conditions to that particular prayer. So a lot of people think that if I'm going to pray the prayer of faith effectively, I just have to do that condition in the middle. Believe that I receive them. So I go, I get on my knees, and I believe that I receive, thank you, and I, I, that's it. I'm now going to have what I ask God for. Because I believe um, what, I, what I prayed about. But our Lord did put two further conditions to that particular prayer. Um, and the first condition he put there was in Mark 11:22, which is just two verses prior to Mark 11:24. And the scripture says, So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And so this whole thing about the prayer of faith is that we have to believe that God um, will answer our prayer. We have to believe that He hears our prayer. There has to be the element of faith. You have to believe. In, in this particular prayer, faith is the key. Believing is the key. But in order for me to, and so I can't, when I'm on my knees, now begin to exercise faith. I need to have faith before I get on my knees before God the Father. I need to believe that when I make my petition known to God, He's going to hear my prayer. And so it's not while I'm praying, oh, okay, let me try to exercise faith in this area and I'll try to exercise faith. No, before we go to God the Father with what we are requesting Him, we should have the faith ahead of time so that when we are on our knees we are confident that this prayer will be heard by God because the scripture says that when he hears our prayers we know that we have the petitions that we've made known unto him but in order for me to get to that place um, prior to me getting into my prayer closet something's got to happen my heart cannot condemn me because if my heart condemns me, then I cannot have confidence toward God. Let's have a look at the scripture. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. Scripture says, Beloved, if our heart, talking about our spirits and talking about the conscience of man, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because, he, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And so um, he links having confidence toward God to prayer because he says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. 
And so we cannot ask and, and petition God the Father in faith if our hearts are condemning us at that particular time. And so that is why it is so important for us to make sure that our hearts are assured before God, before we go before God in prayer. So how do we make sure that we, our hearts are not condemning us before we go before God the Father in prayer? Well, we have to check up on any sin in our lives. Is there any sin in our lives that we know about? And I'm not talking about unknown sin now, I'm talking about known sin. Um, because the scripture says in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, clean, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so before I go to prayer before God the Father, this is what I have to do first. I have to first check up and see that I have no unconfessed sin. Now I'm talking about unknown sin because unknown sin, God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ takes care of it himself. So we're not talking about you have to be living a completely sinless life before you can go before the Father and pray the prayer of faith. Because that's not the requirement. The requirement is, is that I must not have my heart condemning me in any area. Now my heart will only condemn me for that which the sin that I know about. So sin I don't know about, my heart doesn't condemn me for. Jesus takes care of that sin. Um, I do a teaching on um, sin, and there's two different categories of sin. There's known sin and unknown sin. Now unknown sin, our Lord Jesus Christ takes care of it himself. 1 John 1, 7, the scripture says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. And so, in order for me to enjoy the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing me from all sin, I have to be walking in the light. That's the condition that's in that passage of Scripture. It says, but if, the little condition, if, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so what happens is, every sin that I've committed, no matter what it is, is cleansed by the blood of the Lamb when I'm walking in the light. But in order for me to walk in the light, I have to be free from all known sin. There must be, there cannot be any known sin that is um, being made manifest through my life. And so 1 John 2, 9 says, if he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. So this particular Christian, um, he is walking in hatred towards his brother. But he says he's in the light. So he's kind of deceiving himself because he, the scripture says he's actually in darkness. So he's not in the light. So he says he's in the light, but he's walking in hatred towards his brother. So now he wants to go and pray before God the Father. And so he believes that uh, he's walking in the light as Jesus is in the light. He has fellowship with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, uh, and the blood of Christ is cleansing him from all sin. But that's not true because the scripture says to us, uh, that he, if he hates his brother, he's in darkness. And so he's not walking in the light as Christ is in the light. And so we have to deal with all of our known sin first. You, know, you don't have to. I mean, you can pretend to yourself that you, even though you're walking in hatred towards somebody else, that everything's fine between you and God. And so you'll go into your prayer closet and you'll pray and you'll believe and you'll get up and nothing will happen. Because that prayer will go unheard. Because... 
you're not meeting the conditions because we're looking today at the conditions and the principles that have to be applied in our prayer life in order for our prayers to be heard by God because we said that if our prayers get heard we're going to have our answers and so you, you, you can fool yourself as much as you like and you can go spend the whole night in prayer go spend, I don't know, three days in prayer, fast um, nothing's going to happen because you haven't met the condition you've got to go get something sorted out first you've got to go sort out the hatred that you have towards your brother before um, his blood is applied to the rest of your sin that you don't know about and so your heart is condemning you. You might um, ignore it, but nevertheless your heart is condemning you. And so we have to apply 1 John 1, 9. Confess our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now when that happens, then and only then are we now in the light. When we're in the light, the blood of Christ is now cleansing us. And our hearts are no, lo no longer condemning us. And so we can go before the Father in full confidence. Um, because let's go back to that passage of Scripture. And it says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So the person who's walking in hatred towards their brother is, is not walking with confidence toward God. They're walking with arrogance toward God. Because you know, they're saying, God, it matters not that I hate my brother. Um, between you and me, everything's fine. So we can carry on. You know, we just leave my brother out of it. Uh -uh, God does not pray like that. And so that's arrogance and presumptuousness and, and stupidity, actually. Um, no, go get that sorted out first. Remember our Lord said, when you come to the altar and you offer your gift, and then recall that you got something, that your brother has something against you, first go and sort that out, and then come and offer your gift. Why would our Lord say that? Well, He'd say that because you're wasting your time offering your gift. Your gift's not going to be accepted. Even a gift of thanksgiving will not be accepted by God because he's more interested in your relationship with your brother. Uh, John says, and how can you guys say that you love God whom you've not seen and do not love your brother whom you can see? Can't happen. And so, yeah, God's more interested in, if we're going to get our prayer life sorted out between us and God, well, then we have to get our relationship life sorted out between us and people, not only our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also those in the world. We can't walk with unforgiveness towards those in the world. That's going to impact on our prayer life. So getting back to that prayer of faith in Mark 11, 24, here's the, another, this is the second condition. Remember I said there's two conditions, actually three. There's the one condition right in that verse of Scripture. You have to believe that you receive, then you're going to get it. Can't hope, you've got to believe it. And then the condition before was that we must have faith in God. Now this is the condition after that I will put for that particular prayer to work. Mark 11, uh, 25 and 26. This is our Lord speaking. He says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, he says anyone, so he doesn't talk only about Christians. No, he's talking about anyone is anyone is anyone. Um, forgive him, why, Lord, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, Neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And so our Lord very clearly um, just ties that whole prayer between these conditions. The condition up front, you have to have faith in God. The condition in the middle, you must believe you receive it. And the condition at the end, you've got to get the life sorted out before you come into your prayer closet anyway. 
and that you have to forgive. Now, when our Lord said you have to forgive, well, then he's talking about walking in love as well. You can't be walking in hatred towards your brother and say, well, I forgive him, Lord, but I, you know, I hate him. Uh, you hear this term, um, I, I can love somebody that doesn't need, necessarily need to like them. I don't know that the scripture does say that um, anywhere. I think it's just the loophole people try to find, because love is love. And so, you know, when we walk in love towards people, we walk in love towards people. Um, but be that as may. Uh, so our Lord says, unless we forgive, He says, um, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Why? That your Father in heaven may also forgive you. So it means if we don't forgive, our Father in heaven cannot forgive us. We are the ones that are blocking the forgiveness from God our Father. And so as we hold unforgiveness towards somebody else, so there is now unforgiven, unforgiven sin in our life. And that unforgiven sin in our life is preventing the Father from forgiving us. He can't because we haven't dealt with the one-on-one -on -one relationship, so we can't deal with the vertical. We haven't dealt with the horizontal. So before we get into prayer closet time, the horizontal relationships must be fine because if the horizontal relationships are fine, our hearts will not condemn us. If the hearts do not condemn us, then we can go before God with full assurance of heart that our prayers will be heard by Him. And then this applies, Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we don't come arrogantly to the throne of grace. And that's where a lot of um, uh, hyper-grace uh, Christians go down. They come arrogant, arrogantly to the throne of grace because they're under grace, God. So we don't talk about sin. Sin's not an issue. Um, you know, I can sin as much as I like, but my relationship with you is fine. No, it's not. So, we come boldly to the throne of grace if we got the horizontal relationship sorted out. Once they're sorted out, then and only then can we come boldly to the throne of grace. So that's one of the areas. We're looking at our Lord Jesus. I think I said we should look at our Lord Jesus. I should have said it if I didn't. Uh, looking out to Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. Yeah, I did, because we said, we want to have that testimony. Our Lord said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. And so we want to get to that testimony. In order for us to get to that testimony, we've got to look at our Lord's life and see what he did um, so that his prayers were always heard by God. Now, Jesus didn't have this problem that we have because he never sinned. And so he never had to get sin sorted out before he went before God in prayer. We're different. We have to get some sorted out um, because we do uh, miss it from time to time. And so that's where our, ourselves and our Lord Jesus Christ in this area are different because, as I say, he, he never had to confess sin. His heart never condemned him. He was always in right relationship horizontally, and so the Father always heard him vertically. But for us as believers, we have to get sin sorted out first. And so one of the things we have to get sorted out uh, before we go before God our Father in prayer is sin. Under the Old Covenant, again, we go back and think about the fact that we're dealing with our priestly uh, function now. And under the Old Covenant, a priest, even the high priest, he could not come and minister to God on behalf of the nation of Israel for their sins until he had first offered up a sacrifice for his own sins. And so he had to get himself cleaned up first 
And then and only then could he approach God on behalf of the nation to get them cleaned up. And so it works exactly the same way under the new covenant. God's not any less holy under the new covenant. God's the same yesterday, today and forever. He hasn't changed and he never will. And so the priests under the new covenant don't have a different access to God. We have the same access to God from the point of view of He is holy and there is no sin in Him. And so if we're going to come before His throne of grace, we have to come there free from sin. And so we get our sin cleansed by our high priest, Christ Jesus our Lord. We apply 1 John 1, 9, Lord, I've missed it here. I've sinned against my brother. I repent of that and ask your forgiveness. He forgives me straight away and then I'm cleansed. And so now I can minister to God as a priest and I will be accepted before the throne because there's no sin hindering me from getting access to the throne. But if there's sin in my life, I'm not going to get to that throne. Uh, It's just not going to happen in my prayer life. And so we have to, as I say, get the, the horizontal sorted out and then the vertical works out. Simple as that. Okay, so looking at our Lord again, so that's the one area that differentiated us between our Lord in His prayer life and our prayer life. He never had to take care of sin first. We do, but that's something we must do. But this is something that uh, our Lord always had to do in His prayer life, and that is Luke 22, verse 42. Scripture says, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the reasons that God the Father always heard his prayers. Now people say, yeah, but yeah, Jesus was the Son of God, so God was always going to hear his prayers. When he walked the earth, Jesus walked the earth as the Son of Man. And so Jesus had to apply these principles to his walk in order for his prayers to be heard by God, just like we do. There is no difference in this area. Uh, the only reason there was, no, there was a difference in sin is because Jesus never sinned. We do still commit sin. So that's the only difference there. But in this particular point, um, Jesus had to apply the same principle that we have to apply. So what is the principle our Lord applied? He always prayed in line with the will of the Father. He never prayed outside of the will of the Father. He was always um, walking in the perfect will of God. And that's where we, and I'm not saying as Christians, we have to be walking in the perfect will of God. What I'm saying with regards to our prayer life, when we come before the God, uh, God the Father in prayer, we have to pray according to His will. We cannot pray outside of the will of God and expect Him to hear our prayers. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Himself said, not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus submitted His will to the will of the Father, and so do we. We need to find out before we go before God our Father in prayer about anything. We must find out from the Word of God what God has to say on the subject. What is the will of God pertaining the subject? So that I don't go into my prayer closet and pray the prayer of hope. But rather I go into my prayer closet and pray the prayer of faith. I can do that because I'm praying fervently and effectively. Effectively because I know what the will of the Father is in this area. And so I know I have confidence that He will hear my prayer. He says that in His scriptures. 
1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of Him. And so we can say it in converse here. We can say um, that if we ask anything not according to His will, He doesn't hear us. And if we know He doesn't hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we don't have the petitions that we've asked of Him. And so the key here is to know the will of God in the situation before you pray. So look, there are times when we pray not knowing the will of God and we're actually seeking God's will in the situation. That's a different scenario. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and God, and he'll give to him, he gives to all men liberally, and it abradeth not. So, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. I need your wisdom. God imparts his wisdom to me in that situation. That's a different type of prayer. But nevertheless, I can in confidence ask for wisdom in the situation because I know that that is the will of God. For Scripture says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. So I know what God's will is in that particular situation. His will is, I can come to him and ask him for wisdom, and he will impart that to me. So yeah, I, I trust you understand the difference there. But in all of our prayer, and I, we kind of concentrating on the prayer of faith. I didn't want to do that, but that's kind of where this, the, the teaching is going today. Concentrating on the prayer of faith. So in order for me to pray effectively, to receive from God, I have to know what the will of God is about the situation before I get on my knees. Because if I don't know, I cannot then pray according to His will. Because I don't know what His will is. And so if I don't know what His will is, I don't know if I'm praying according to His will or not. I might not be praying according to His will. And in order for me to have confidence that He hears my prayer, I have to pray according to His will. So it's very important for Christians that before they pray about whatever they want to pray about, first go find out what God has to say about it. Then when you know what God says about the subject, you can come before Him and you can put Him in remembrance of His Word. He says, do that in His Scripture. He says, put me in remembrance of my Word under the Old Covenant. But that applies under the New. You, know, you, you recall that when the church was, um, Paul, uh, Peter and John were told they weren't allowed to preach in the name of Jesus anymore, and the church began to pray. They reminded God who he was and uh, what he had promised with regards to the covenant for his son Jesus and, and, and the church. And they put God in remembrance of, of his word. And then they said, now grant that your servants, that with all boldness we can proclaim your gospel. And God answered that prayer powerfully. And so that's how we do it. We first find out what God has to say on the subject. Then when we know what he has to say, we can confidently come before him, knowing that we ask it, asking according to his will. And because we're asking according to his will, we know that he hears us. And because we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of Him. So it's almost like uh, an, an, assur uh, an assuredness, uh, not even faith there, because He says we know that we have the petitions. He doesn't say we believe. He says we know, because we've asked in accordance with the will of God. And so it's so important for us to first find out what God has to say, and then go before the Father and pray. Now, it's not always just what God has to say, but it's also... Um, it's all-encompassing. Look at this prayer, James 4.3. He says, you ask and do not receive. Why, James? Because you ask amiss, amiss, 
that you may spend it on your pleasures. So there they were asking for the um, um, physical um, needs is not the right word, I suppose, in this case. But they are, we're asking things from God. Now, God doesn't say, no, you're not going to get anything. Uh, you're a spiritual person. I, I'll bless you with spiritual stuff. But if you want uh, food and clothing and that kind of stuff, don't come and knock at my door. No, that's not God. He takes care of all of our needs, physical and spiritual and emotional, everything. But their motive here was completely wrong. He says, you guys have asked, but you haven't received. The reason that you haven't is because you asked amiss that you may, might spend it on your pleasure. So their motivation was completely wrong. They were wanting to gratify the desires of their flesh. And God's not going to answer that. God's not interested in gratifying the desires of our flesh. You recall in the uh, children of Israel in the wilderness, they got into it on more than one occasion. But think about the one occasion where they really griped and complained. They were just sick of manna. They'd had all the... Up to the Next with manna, they wanted meat, they wanted to have a good old bride. And so they complained and they grumbled because they wanted meat, and God gave them meat. Um, and the uh, Bible says while the, 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 they had, the meat was still in their mouths, they were still chewing it, He slew a whole bunch of them, I think about 23,000, of all of the strongest of, of Israel, because of their grumbling and complaining. And the Bible talks about the fact, when they prayed and they they wanted their uh, fleshly desires um, met, and God answered that prayer, but he, the scripture said that he sent leanness into their souls. And so he gave them their physical desires, but he sent leanness into their souls. They never got to know God. They never got to walk with God. And so God, under the new covenant, we're his children. So God's not going to gratify our fleshly desires because God knows that our fleshly desires will draw us away from fellowship with him. And that's not God. He's not going to do give us anything that's going to harm our relationship with him. And so that's why they weren't getting their, their prayers answered, um, the church that James was writing to, because they weren't praying according to the will of God. And so it is so important for us that when we pray before God is that we find out what His will is and also get our motives right around what His will is and not uh, become greedy in uh, certain areas. So those are two areas we've looked at. We're looking at the at principles to apply in our prayer life in order to get our prayers heard because He said, if we get this right, we get God to hear our prayers, then we, got, then, then we know it's going to be done because you know, Jesus walked like it. He said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. And we want to be there in our prayer life. So we have to sort out sin first, and then we also have to know the will of God our Father before we pray. Not after we sin. Oh Lord, I've prayed wrong. Rather find out what God said before you pray. This next point is, uh, again, we look at our Lord Jesus as the example here, and a very powerful example. Look at the scripture, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Scripture says, Who in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus when he was on the earth, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, now look at this, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard, why Lord? Because of his godly fear. Here's the spotless Son of God, sinless Son of God. And the scripture says that his prayers were heard because of his godly fear. Think about that for just a little while. That, that is 
a sobering statement of Scripture. How much more should we not be coming before God our Father with godly fear? How many times do you see Christians actually going before God in prayer with godly fear? It's not too often. But that's what our Lord did. He was heard, the Scripture says, because of his godly fear. Now, Jesus, think about it. Think of, Jesus knows, knew where he came from. He knew what heaven was like. He knew what the throne was like. He knew what God was like. And so when he bowed his knee on the earth, when he was in the flesh, to God the Father, he was praying out of knowledge of who God is. And the scripture says he prayed with godly fear. Now that's a reverence for God. Not an arrogance, an absolute reverence for Almighty God. And I think there's very few of us as believers that have gotten to that place in our prayer life. But look at the results that, that have manifested itself in our Lord's life, in His walk. And look at the uh, astounding miracles that were constantly taking place through His ministry. Now I'm not saying that we can walk at that level, but I am saying we should be able to walk even as He walked. As the Scripture tells us, we can. And if we're going to walk as He walked, then this is, has to become part of our prayer life. We should be praying with godly fear, in, in reverence of the Almighty God. Because Jesus, the Scripture says, and He was heard because of His godly fear. And so our prayers, now I'm not saying our prayers will go unheard because we don't have godly fear. Because I think quite most of the time it's because of our ignorance. We don't understand just who God really is. Because, you know, any time that you saw any of the, the Old Testament prophets and John and all of them, any time they ever got to see God, um, you know, most of them fainted. Um, and, you know, they just, they were terrified with, with the confrontation with God. And so God in His mercy, He doesn't allow us to see His awesomeness because I think it would shake a lot of us up. But nevertheless, um, we should, by faith, be praying to God with godly fear, with reverence, the reverence due to Him as the Almighty God, because Jesus did it. And Jesus is the only man who stood righteous before God. None of us do. Now, we do in Christ. I understand that. But in Christ, we should also be praying with godly fear before God our Father, even as Christ prayed with godly fear. Look at another passage of Scripture, just to uh, kind of just highlight to us the, the, the truth about the almightiness and the reverence of how, how, how holy God is. Um, Revelation chapter 4, 9-11. The Scripture says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. And so here you have the 24 elders who are constantly in the presence of God. Their thrones are around the throne of God. They, they're just never outside of the, 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 the presence of God. And yet, look at how they respond when the four living creatures give glory to God. They, um, the scripture says, they, they fall down before Him and worship Him and cast their crowns before the throne. 
they reverence this almighty God whom we serve. And, you know, we need to, we're not going to, well, I should not say we're not going to. Um, we should trust our God to give us a glimpse of his majesty and just who he is. So that when we do go into our prayer closet, that we can be as Christ Jesus our Lord was. And that we can offer our prayers before him with godly fear, with reverence for this almighty God, who is the creator of all things. He is awesome beyond. He said who, in Isaiah 40, I think it is, he said, what are you going to compare me to? Who are you going to compare me to? There's nothing that you can compare God to. God is the almighty God. We have no idea just how great he is. But the one who did, Jesus, he prayed before God with godly fear. We should do the same. And so that's another principle that we should apply in our prayer life. If our prayer lives are going to be fervent and effective. Uh, for it is the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. And then uh, the last one I want to touch on today is, uh, again, going back to that scripture, Hebrews 5, 7, because it's such a powerful scripture, because it, it just gives us a bit of insight into the prayer life of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we're wanting to uh, pray effectively like our Lord prayed, and so we need to obviously look at him and see how he prayed. And again, let's just go back and look at that passage. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, now look at this, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, was heard because of his godly fear. And so here's our Lord's prayer life revealed to us. And we've looked at the godly fear aspect, but look at that middle part. With vehement cries and tears to him. Now that vehement cries means loud crying out to God. Time and again, our Lord would go up mountains to pray. And I did say that in the previous teaching. One of the reasons that he would, well, I think that's the main reason, is that he could give himself over to unrestrained prayer before God. Because I've been on, on top of mountains praying, and it's an absolute blessing to be up there because you can shout at the top of your lungs at Almighty God. And there's just something about doing that that um, stirs up your spirit before God. And it just makes heaven that much closer to you. And you can do that because you're up there and no one can hear you except heaven. Uh, everyone below you can't hear you because on a mountain that, that's it, it's completely quiet and still. And so our Lord would do that very often. But he would go into the wilderness on his own to pray. And uh, he really was vociferous when he prayed before God. Because he was real before God. And so that's the point that I wanted to get across here in this last point. Is that when we pray before God, we have to get real before him. We don't say our prayers to God. This is not a religious thing that we do. This is us coming before our Creator who knows us intimately. He knows everything about us before we get on our knees. He knows what we need. He knows our beginning. He knows our end. He holds our breath in His hand. And so there's, there's nothing hidden from Him. The Bible says all things are naked and open to Him and bear to Him with whom we have to do, with, with whom we have to do, God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing hidden. So don't... Be religious when you go before God the Father in prayer. Because why would you do that? Before the one who knows you better than you know yourself. So we mustn't be hypocritical 
when we go before God in prayer. We must be completely transparent before Him and open before Him because we are transparent before Him because He knows everything about us before we even uh, get on our knees. And we must be real in our prayer life before God because it's, it's not, uh, as I say, this is not a, a religious duty that we perform. Uh, the priests under the Old Covenant, there was kind of a religious duty they performed, but the priests under the New Covenant, ours, we come to the throne of grace. We come into the very throne room of God. We come kneeling before God the Father in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And how more real can you get? And that's where we have to be real before God. And we need to um, just be real. Just be completely real. And our Lord Jesus, when he, you know, because our Lord, his prayer life was absolutely phenomenal. In, in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, Scripture says in Luke 22, 44, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat become like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And there was the agony that our Lord went through. But I mean, there was just nothing hidden between him and the Father. And he cried out to God. And that's why he prayed alone. Most of the time, Jesus would pray alone. Luke 9, 18 says, And it happened, as he was praying alone, that his disciples joined him. Jesus would pray alone because he, he needed to be real before God. And believe you me, it, it's not easy to be real before God when you have others around you. Um, but when you're on your own before your Father in Jesus, then you can be real and you should be. And that's why Jesus said, go into your prayer closet and close the door. Now don't start screaming and shouting so that your next door neighbor comes knocking on the door to find out what's going on. If you want to scream and shout, then climb the mountain because um, that's where you can do it. And so yeah, in Matthew 6, 6, our Lord says, you know, close the, go into your prayer closet. And this is our time to be real with God. And Matthew 6, 8, and God our Father knows what we need. And knows everything about us before we ask. And so we have to just be and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Just two Psalms I'm going to quote now because they're just, um, the Psalms are full of our Lord's prayers that he prayed when he was on the earth and they're recorded. And so there's just two passages I'm going to uh, close off here. It just gives us some insight into the kind of utterance that was made by Jesus to God the Father when he was walking on the earth, when he prayed alone. Um, Psalm 109, verse 3 to 5, the scripture says, They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. In return for my love they are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer. Thus they have rewarded me, evil for good and hatred for my love. Now Jesus was telling God the Father, this is what they're doing, Father. God, do you think God the Father didn't know that? He knew that intimately, but Jesus was being real before the Father. And he was saying, you know, yeah, they're rewarding me evil for good. You know, I'm pouring out my, my love for them, and this is what I'm getting back in return. But he, he is being real before his Father. He's not being religious before God at all. He's just opening up his heart to God. Psalm 119, 86 to 88, he says, All your commandments, again, Jesus praying to God, all your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help me. He's asking the Father for help. He says, they're persecuting me wrongfully, Father. Help me. They almost made an enemy on earth, but I did not forsake your precepts. 
Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. And go read the Psalms. Um, the Psalm after Psalm. David was the, the prophet who prophesied the words of our Lord. But they are in fact the prayers uttered by the Lord Jesus to God the Father when he walked the earth. They are very enlightening um, because it just shows the, the real relationship that Jesus had with the Father. And we need to be in that place. And so just to recap today, um, if we're going to have our prayers uh, heard by God the Father, if we're going to be able to say as Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Sin must be taken care of in our lives. We cannot um, pray before the Father if we have known sin in our lives. We first have to get sin sorted out. We must know the will of God. We must pray according to his will. We cannot pray outside of the will of God and expect him to hear our prayers. He will not do it. Um, and then we must show reverence before God. Our Lord Jesus showed godly fear. And he's, the scripture says his prayers were heard because of his godly fear. And so we need to be showing reverence to the almighty God as well. And then we need to be real before God. There's nothing hidden from him. So we don't get religious in this thing. It's a real time of communion between us and God our Father in Christ by the Spirit. And we're going to end the teaching of that which is